on this week's bet the process which we were deeming the hidden bet the process rufus talks about all the ways to find hidden yards hidden points whatnot we talk a lot about college uh, intangibles ways to approach the bulls differently spend a lot of time on the army navy game where we maybe buried the lead and missed a very important thing that leads us to uh, a conclusion where we may back up from it later on in the podcast. Then we finished with some NFL picks as always. So with that, let's start the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not that typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a talent with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. Welcome to a december i guess that's the only thing special about this edition of the bet the process podcast with rufus peabody jeff ma um where are you right now rufus are you in uh boston i'm in boston i'm looking at the zakem bridge and cars coming at me do you know who zakem is no i actually don't either and i was there when that was built and i'm from boston so i guess i should be sort of embarrassed about that I always think of Oz Hakim for some reason, though. Like, if I was shortening Oz Hakim, it would be like, Zikim. I don't know. Did you know he was a quarterback in college? He was? Oz is a I feel like he's one of those players that they always say, do you know he was a quarterback in college? Where did he play in college? I don't even know. I think he played in Missouri, but that just might be me completely spitballing. Well, he played in Missouri as a professional. That's true. It's a very good point. He did play in – or no, maybe he played it in Indiana. I think he might have played it in Indiana. Um, anyway, right. so wrong. how did the regular season – how did the last sort of championship weekend play out for you guys? Um, so overall, um, it, it was good at the beginning and ended up not being good. Okay. I Meaning- Wait, no, no, actually, no, no. Sorry, I was thinking two weeks back. No, we, we made a small profit on it. Did you, what did you end up down? What did you end up down on? You you had you had Miami of Ohio, I remember, which was a relatively strong play for you. We did. We also I'm I'm pulling I'm pulling up the plays here. We also had um, we had some Oklahoma a little bit, which was not as strong. What did was you, did it you have anything in that second half? Eight. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. Obviously, you had you had um, Oklahoma's or sorry Baylor's quarterback uh, who was injured, so that was. I mean, that, that was a pretty big downgrade. Um, so, but I, I did actually play a little bit of Baylor anyway, just given how far the line moved and kind of my estimate of where the line would have been without, um, without him. Well, so the, so the spread was, uh, sorry, so, so Baylor was uh, up by three points at right. halftime and the spread came out Baylor plus six and a half for Oklahoma minus six and a half our numbers actually like Baylor plus the six and a half there but were you accounting for the fact that Baylor's starting quarterback no of course was, not. right and, and I'm, not, I'm not done yet our bearded friend texted me that he liked Oklahoma minus six six and a half I um ended up betting uh going against our numbers and betting on Oklahoma what did you lay uh minus 120 maybe does that sound right 
So I, I took a little bit of plus six and a half, but I got it once it had steamed hard. It, it, I got it at like plus 106 or something. And at that point it was, um, I, I thought that it would not have, it wasn't worth like, that injury isn't worth like 35 cents or something, which is where yeah, I, I mean, it, it. it was, it was definitely one of those bets that I made knowing that from an analytics standpoint, it was minus EV. Um, but I felt like Oklahoma was going to win that game. And so it was a matter if they won by three or by more than three. And, um, I, you know, it, it turned out that it was much closer, obviously went to overtime and, um, got lucky and sort of won by seven in overtime. So I ended up winning that bet. Um, but it is, that is one of those situations that it almost seems like there's always going to be value on the dog in that situation. Well, the, I mean, it, it, according to your models, it will be, but the question is like, you don't know how much is Charlie Brewer worth over, um, I forget what the guy's name was, the second string guy who ended up sucking. And then they went but to the third string guy, the, the, the true guy in there, right? Well, no, no, they had the second string guy in there and then he sucked so bad that they went with right. a, this, uh, the guy who, I forget his name, well, it starts with Z, like Z, Z something, right? At halftime, at halftime, you believed that that second string guy was going to come back in. I right, and the second string guy actually did have some reps during the season, um, so he, you know, he had been playing blowouts and stuff like that. So you wouldn't think it would be. I mean, Charlie Brewer's had a very good year, but you would like. I don't. I honestly don't know what that downgrade is. So I kind of, you know, I, I saw. Uh, to be honest, I saw what Deck Prism had on that game. I was like, if if Deck Prism has it as plus EV on Baylor, like after their adjustment, then I figure it's you know. I'll, I'll fire on it, um, at least a little bit. Did and you have anything in the Miami of Ohio, Central Michigan second half? I don't think I did, no. We ended up having Miami of Ohio and Central Michigan under. So that was a double winner. But our bearded friend actually liked Central Michigan, and that was one where I didn't go with him. So I somehow got lucky. Normally it's the opposite way. If I decide to defy the bearded one, then I always, always – but if I go with the bearded one, I mush him. So um, you can't win. So yeah. So so I had so I, my half times were over this weekend. I, I didn't have. So I, I took Baylor plus six and a half plus one or two. I took it for small though. I was on Cincinnati plus four plus one oh seven that lost, and I was on the App State Louisiana Lafayette under under thirty one, which that pushed. And I had a little under thirty and a half at plus money too, which lost so um not not a lot of volume there but only a few games but oh and three well oh two and a half and a half i guess yeah yeah but how how was your how was your football season overall i i kind of was recapping mine i was kind of curious how my second halves ended up overall for the season and so i kind of put together a spreadsheet where i can see all that stuff i haven't looked at the all the numbers it was very and I know that sports betting is always this way, but it was very streaky. Like yeah. we had a day, I think I showed you that we went like 15 and two. And then I think like we had back to back weeks where we probably went like four and 15 or something. I don't know. <laughs> it was like, it, it, we had, we had some great weeks and we had some bad weeks. Um, I think overall we were net positive for second half. So just for everything for second halves, the only thing for, for regular, I, I basically, for pre-games, I basically just tail you and, and the bearded one. Well, so for pre-games, for me, we, had a, we actually had a streak at one point from weeks 10 to 14, a five-week losing streak after, after week nine, which was like the best week we've ever had. But we ended up like, 
you know, it, it started out as a really, really good college football season, and it totally – it kind of took a nosedive down the stretch. And we ended up only at a uh, at a 1% ROI, um, whereas second, are, college football second halves ended minus 1.39%, um, which much, much lower volume. So overall, that – our return. I mean, our, our volume on pregames this season was almost nine times that of, you know, of second half. So it's still, you know, it's, it's better than a poke in the eye with the sharp stick, but it's, it wasn't as good um, a year as I'd hoped for in college. What, um, what, what were some things, were there any things that you noted that you want to look at in the off season? Um, nothing that comes to mind at the moment. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff I want to do, but but what's funny, Jeff, is actually with the NFL, I've been, it turns out we've been like kicking ass in the NFL. I didn't even realize it. Um, it's just, and it's been, NFL has been like super consistent. That seems like variance though. Oh, of course it's, it's variance. Like nobody, nobody really beats the NFL. No, I mean, we're, we're plus, we're plus 14.98% on NFL second halves this year. Wow. And, and plus 6.2% on NFL sides and totals. So full pregame stuff, which is like, um, yeah. So it just shows like even one football season isn't a huge sample. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've talked about that and it's sort of like rules to live by as it pertains to um, even just when you think, you know, these teams at the end of the year. So we'll, we'll, we'll hold off on NFL for a second. Um, let's talk a little bit about bowls um, or actually let's talk about the game we have coming up this weekend, army versus Navy any value there? I mean, this is a very low total. Um, it actually, it's amazing to me that no matter what they set, it seems to get bet down every year in this game. It does. And there's the effect. And, and I don't even know what the total is there. I haven't, I haven't, um, it's, it's 40, it's 10 and a half and 40 right now. Right. So my numbers would say that there's a ton of value on the over there, but every year it's like two option teams playing. And there's this effect where, I mean, they both, I guess, know each other's offenses so well. I don't know. Yeah. It does. So, so here's the question. How much, how much would weight would you put on that? And would you look, would you say army versus Navy is a different game entirely than like army versus air force or Navy versus air force, or if any of them happen to play Georgia Southern, I don't know if they still have an option offense, but they used to, you know, is that is, you know, if you were trying to increase your sample size to sort of say, Hey, is there this sort of interaction effect with option offenses playing each other? Um, would you would you go and look at all those, or do you think somehow Army Navy is unique in that way? I mean, my natural inclination would be that like Army and Navy is unique, but I don't really know why that would be. You know, there's a lot of like ridiculously narrative intangibles that I would lump in there. Oh, they know each other so well. Like they're both the you know the premier service academies. Um, I I'm not sure. I mean, I think you have a very recent history. <laughs> of a very <coughs> sorry a very like a pattern between these two teams that people are you know seeing happen again yeah i while you were coughing i did a little quick google search um on you know so navy and air force combined for 59 points this year but Army and Air Force only combined for 30. And then last year, Army and Air Force combined for 31 points. So it, I mean, it would be actually something maybe worth looking at. And then last year, Navy Air Force only had 42 points. So the market obviously thinks there is something to that. And maybe there is. 
how would Jeff, how would you go about evaluating whether that's actually something that is, you think is sort of a true, like a real effect? Would you try to quantify it? Would you stay off the total entirely? Well, I mean, I almost feel like after this conversation, I want to bet the, bet the over blindly right now. Because the narrative, because you think that it's just the, this narrative I just, that's overblown. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like it's there's it's a relatively small sample size, basically like it, what the history of maybe like the last three or four games or something like that, where it's like this has happened and there's been weather in some of the cases. I don't know if there's weather this weekend or what the weather situation is this weekend. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think that if I were to try to really solve for this it would be something more similar to what you're talking about comparing, you know, like these, these sort of option type high, high volume running teams, triple option type teams when they play each other, finding more, try to find more narrative evidence at least or anecdotal evidence. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's hard, right? Like if I were to bet this blindly, like I probably will end up doing on Saturday for, for shits and giggles, I'm probably going to take army and the under. Yeah. So I'm army and the over. Are you going to take army and the over or army and the under? I would take army and the over, even though I know okay. that those would be like somewhat non-correlated. I still would take that. So, I think 10 and a half points in a game of this type seems like a lot. Right. And, and what are your, I guess, what are your numbers? Your, I'm, sh- I'm assuming your numbers justify that. Otherwise they wouldn't, it wouldn't be at this high. Well, you know how I feel about the army team. Uh, I have it as four and a half. Oh wow! So I, I'm I'm all over Army here. Wow. Four and a half neutral field. It's a true neutral this year. It's in Philly. I know some years they move it. They have it in Baltimore. And some years it's up at um, at the Meadowlands. But by the way, I pulled up uh, Army Navy history here. Last year, 27 points. 27 the year before that. 38, 38, 27, 41, 30. So there aren't. Any, 41 is the highest scoring game since 2011, where you had 48. 48, then 20, 34, 41. Yeah, not a lot of high-scoring games there. But generally, I do think these teams, well, at least Army has a much better offense than they used to have. Yeah, but they've had a pretty good offense the last couple of years that have resulted in these really low This is true. Games. This is true. Um, why, if your numbers have Army, so here, here's what, this is perplexing to me. If your numbers have Army plus sorry plus four ish okay mm-hmm. and i think the general public would not perceive these two teams to be that different is it navy's record that is causing this number to be so out of whack i guess i guess that's probably what it is right navy's records what is navy's what, what's navy's record right now it's good it's like i think it's like nine and three or something that's probably part of it i mean they have been good our army I guess they lost that last game to, um, you know, they lost that last game to Hawaii where we all faded them. Um, yeah, I mean, I, so yeah, Navy's nine and two. Yeah, that's... and they're ranked twenty fourth in the nation. Um, which obviously they've not played the most difficult of schedules. But and Army's Army five and matter. seven. Army's five and seven, but I mean. <laughs> But Army almost beat Michigan. <laughs> they did have a two-touchdown lead against Michigan. But that's all the way back in early September. So you say, well, how much does early September matter at this point? <laughs> but, I mean, Army – I think Army had 
Army kind of underachieved a little this year. Their losses, they lost to Tulane, who ended up being a good team. Um, that was on the road. They lost, or that was at home. They lost to Western Kentucky, um, San Jose State, Georgia State. Yeah, I mean, my numbers still like them, though. They haven't, I mean, I've, part of that still, the prior still matters and the talent still matters, although it's a little bit, I think it's a little bit different for a military academy for sure, because none of them are getting all these five star recruits. Um, you have different, different guys, but. But based on, you know, I, I can't tell you, um, I wasn't prepared for this question, Jeff, so I can't tell you exactly, spit out a number, why Army's still high in my numbers. But what does our, what, what does our, our bearded friend think? Um, he, um, I don't know. I actually haven't run, I haven't, I actually haven't asked him. Um, so it's hard to say. I don't know what he, what he likes. Um, we can ask him. Maybe maybe he'll text me back by the end of this podcast. Man, it, it does seem like a it does seem like a big number, and so I mean, w- with that alone, with just the fact that it's you know two the two service academies playing each other, if you were just to like you know offer this historically, you'd get one point plus ten one team plus ten and a half. You'd probably take that blindly, right? Well, didn't Navy win sixteen straight years or something like that? I went to so I went to a bunch of Army Navy games. Um, when I was a kid and I think all of them, most of them Navy blew out army. I, I don't think I saw a single army win. So uh, army's won the last three though, but there, there have been blowouts. Okay. Let's move on. That's more than probably any podcast in the world has talked about army Navy breaking that down. I, I think though, Jeff, I mean, you're yeah. the whole adage is like in a rivalry game throughout the records. Do you think there is something to that? I, I, I generally think it's bullshit. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's bullshit, I guess. I mean, I guess like if I can, I mean, and generally like I'm always someone that wants to take points anyway. So if I can get army plus 10 and a half on a neutral against their rival where the talent mismatch probably isn't that great, I'm going to take army. Okay. And where my friend, my skinny friend tells me that, um, his numbers only like Navy by four. I'm I'm all over Army. Which one that is going to be a Tony Kornheiser best bet tomorrow morning, Rufus. Write it down. Put it on the board. That's what they say on Matt Berry's podcast. Uh, big Jambo supporter, Matt Berry. Oh yeah. Anywho, um, I thought I never would say that would utter those words on this podcast again, but I guess I just let it slip. I don't think you should say that. I've, 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 yeah. What? I don't. I've, I've had tossed Matt Barry. I mean, he's. Um, oh, I know, but, and I'm not making fun of. I mean, Matthew, obviously. I, I think. Yeah, we, we can. We can. We can move on from that. <laughs> I mean, I. I think. Well, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but. We can tease him a little. It's okay. We're not like. We're not like. Uh, you know. We're not saying he's a horrible person and all this kind of stuff. We're just we're just poking a little fun at poking a little fun at the bear. Not at Chris Felica, but yeah, at, it's at like we, we need to get the bear on at some point. Yeah, I'd love to have him on. That'd be awesome. Okay, so him, Stanford Steve, they have a they have an innate. Oh, by the way, you heard that podcast um, that I was on recently. Um, Invest like the best, and I, I was did. Talking about an, I was talking about an, an innate. I was talking about an innate skill, and I called it an inane skill. And I listened back on it. And on that podcast, I do not think I got one metaphor correct. I just kept mixing metaphors, and I, I couldn't talk. 
No, I, th- I thought you actually talked quite well. I thought you were very, your explanations are always poignant and concise and, and you seem to be able to, to get to the point a lot quicker than I do. It's just practice. And you're, and you're able to pull up anecdotes really quickly. It's just practice. And that are support. It's reps. That, that support your uh, Bowl games. Bowl games. Bowl games. What say you about the bowl games? Obviously, you run your numbers. Your numbers are probably – I guess, are there any new factors that you've, that you put into your model for the bowl games, or is it just the same you would do with sort of a new, and then you put in a neutral field? Do you, do you put travel in at all? Um, I don't actually, I don't, maybe I should. I, because I do think, you know, people say that certain teams fan bases travel well, right? I assume, I assume, I assume the Mac travel, I assume, I assume like, for example, a central Michigan or an Eastern Michigan or Western Michigan or any of the uh, Mac schools, I I bet their fan bases don't travel particularly well. What about Southern Michigan? Southern Michigan. SMU, Southern Michigan University. Oh yeah. Aren't they playing like a new year's day? SMU? No. Yeah. No, they're playing 12, 21 against Florida Atlantic. Yeah. Three and a half point favorite. How about, um, so travel is interesting. I think like at the, in, the N, in the NBA models, I know some people actually like do put in distance traveled or as, as one of the sort of features in their models. Well, so distance traveled is a feature in my model for home field for regular college football for the season. But for neutral field, um, I don't have that. I, I'd have to, I need to code in sort of, so I have the airport codes closest to each home stadium coded in so I can like calculate distances and everything um, from one airport to the next and I don't have I'd have to code in I, I need to code in the cities where these games are being played how about um, how about um but value of buys is it is it just diminished because like there's going to be a different amount of different amount of um time off that some of these teams have had based on whether they played last weekend or two weekends ago etc so that's a real question huh yeah well I mean we don't have bowl games starting for another week and a half so, so you're I mean, I think I, enough rest that there the difference in rest doesn't matter. I generally think so. And I think, I think you could make a narrative that a team that's had more time off uh, at that point will just be more rusty, but I think it all depends oh, on rest how, versus rush rest, rest versus rest. rush rust versus rush. <laughs> you're, you're, you're getting, you're doing great. Yeah. The, the question is like I was on the podcast earlier, yeah. but this is where like the sort of, I mean, where, yeah. I don't have the inside information. I don't know that this particular team, the coach gave them three weeks off and then they, you know, they get, they practice for a week before the bowl game. I don't know if that's the case or, or, you know, if they get one week off and then have limited practices or I don't, I don't know how that works exactly, but I do think that overall people love the sort of information narratives from bowl games. And, and you asked if I did anything differently. Um, the big thing I do is I regress I, I regress more to the mean. So basically a team that would have been market. not, not more to the market. No, I, I just, you know, if, if a team would have been a 30 point favorite and that never happens because these are bowl games, you know, I wouldn't make them a 30 point favorite. I would make them like a 25 point favorite or something. I'm, I'm not, I don't think that's the exact number there, so but like almost like normalize everyone's performance around zero. Yes. Because I think there is more, <clears throat> there is, I don't want to say reg- regression to average. I guess there is a little bit because there's you, you mostly these teams have, are not, they're, they're not, they, these are exhibition games with the exception of the playoff games, right? 
maybe what we should do and um, is try to do a podcast next week where we have the bearded one on and the two of you guys basically debate some of the bowl games because he knows so much more information than you do. That's true. About like injuries and coaching and things like that. It might really make for an interesting segment to go through some of the bowl games together. I'd be down for that. And then I can figure out which positions I should buy out of after he <laughs> convinces me that my bets are all crap. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Um, what about like, so you don't look at things, obviously like just, it sounds like you don't look at things like coaching changes. I think one thing that might be interesting, Rufus, how about this one? I mean, what, what I was going to say, of course there are things that do, I mean, players no, sitting no, out, that's, that's the big thing now. What about days. this? What about putting positions on early in the bowl season where you feel like the line is fair, but you feel like there are relatively important people that may sit for that, for the team that that team is playing. So for example, well, I guess, um, will Jordan, Jordan love the Utah state quarterback who, you know, I think he's roughly a league average quarter or college, you know, NCAA average league average. Can I say league average quarterback this year? Yet he's declaring for the NFL draft and he, you know, he's, cause he's, had a great last year and has all this potential and all that stuff, but he's uh, he may not play. And it tur- it just so happens that I had already bet uh, Kent State. So yeah, so I'm talking about nine and a half. What about what about like a Wisconsin? You know where there's a chance Herbert doesn't play, but or- the Wisconsin running back also right. Yes, Taylor, Jonathan mm-hmm. Taylor. Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor but Thomas. Wouldn't you think that Herbert would be more valuable than Taylor? Yes. Okay. I would. So, tomato tomato. Okay, how about um but do you think the market's already considering this? And by the way, when well, I say that's why, I'm, that's why I'm that's why I'm saying to you, you've got to go look at your numbers and if your numbers show really like even money or no value either way, then wouldn't this be a a time to basically, because you theoretically should model some uncertainty of that person playing. And I guess the question is like, how much is a Herbert really worth? And then if you model uncertainty to it, is it only end up being, you know, a small amount of points to the spread anyways. And how much of the sort of historical sort of the regression back to zero uh, comes from players sitting out? And is that something that we'd expect more for big schools? You know, because right. it's not like, I mean, Utah State in this case does, but like, it's not like Eastern Michigan is probably going to have some pro prospects sitting out. Yeah. But I think this is a relatively recent phenomenon. And so I go back many, like I've, I've gone back a lot of years for this because I don't, and so I think that, um, I don't think that that is what's driving the, <clears throat> the sort of regression back to zero, but I think it can accentuate it in games yeah, where one team is sitting out a lot of guys and the other team isn't. I mean, Alabama is another one that's kind of interesting, right? I know that you show some value on Alabama in yeah. that game. Um, and you and I had talked about this because you're not nearly as much of a Tua leaving ruin their season kind of person. Um, but they have, you know, these three elite wide receivers that maybe won't play or maybe will play. But in that case, again, that there's already this tremendous amount of value 
on Alabama. So betting Michigan seems sort of silly because it's almost like that uncertainty has been priced in. I think that it has been priced in. I haven't played Alabama actually for that reason, because like we do look at specific, like sub, if, if there's a substantive um, qualitative reason to stay off of something, then in this case, obviously um, I can factor in the two a thing, but you're right. If, if, I mean, Jerry Judy is the best receiver in football and Alabama's receivers are amazing. They make, yeah. Mac, they make Mac Jones look good. Uh, any um, early bowl game that you want to give people that you're down on already that you want to give to people? Let's see. Um, I am on Florida Atlantic. So that's the Lane Kiffin leaving, right? Yeah, Lane Kiffin leaving. Do you think that a coach leaving hurts a team, helps a team, doesn't affect a team? And I do think, you think it does it's all the of same. Them, and I just don't think you have any idea which it's going to do. Do you think in certain circumstances it can help, and in certain circumstances it can hurt? Absolutely. I think it definitely has an. I think it definitely has an effect. I think predicting that effect is probably a fool's errand. It's probably like um, trying to model human behavior in the case of the committee. So let's say let's say they played one. Let's say they played the game, and then you they replayed the bowl game a month later somehow. So they still had the rest again. And would you would you be able to conclude anything about the coaching effect from the one game? Or no? I guess my question is basically, is there really an effect? Or are you just saying after the fact that, like, is it no, mostly? No, I think, there, I, I think there, there has to be an effect, right? Like, you, like, if you're coached by a person and then all of a sudden they either, they either leave and literally aren't coaching you anymore – or you psychologically know they're leaving, your behavior changes. And we've talked a lot about the motivation for bowl games is not necessarily the motivation on that day. It's all of that prep time that you had, like how focused you were as a team. And because I do think that that matters. Um, so I'm saying that I don't really, and, and I think at, when people assess this after the fact, I do think it is, yeah, very narrative driven. But I do think there's an impact. Like coaching matters, and if you have a coaching change, it's going to matter. So the teams that are losing their coaches are almost always <clears throat> going to be sort of, I don't want to say mid-major programs, but, but not the top programs because these are guys that are taking – that are – I mean, if you qualified for a bowl, it's more likely than not that you're – not getting fired. I'm not, I'm not really sure what your main point is in getting at this because I, I think that you just, you don't know what impact that it's going to have, but I do believe that losing your coach um, will have an impact. And it's, it, there isn't a way to classify the situations of when you lose your coach, right? Sometimes it's, they get fired. Sometimes they retire. Sometimes they are moving on to a new job. Um, in all of those cases, um, I think it has an impact on the team, but I'm not sure how to predict what the impact will be. It kind of, it kind of feels like in a way, um, this is a very different thing, but it's sort of, to me, it, it made me think of it modeling out, like how much do you weight a team playing in a blowout game? Like if, you know, um, for future predictive purposes and should, you know, cause one team, might be up 32 points and playing their starters and just being like, let's go pedal to the metal. Whereas another team might be playing, you know, just treating it, run the ball up the middle, just get out of there. Right. 
<clears throat> yeah, no, I, I feel like I there's mean, certain thing. Yeah. There's certain things where you really need to know it where you need to be able to assess the team's motivations or you need to sort of be well, in the inside to sort of see. And even if you, yeah. that you just in the scenario that you just presented, you probably have more data to actually know how a team will perform in that situation. In this case, you have like zero data. Right. And I'm saying I have data to say overall, like a team up 32 points in the fourth quarter is expected to get fewer yards per play than, a t- than that same team in a tie game. And this right. is sort of like, you know, the, I guess this concept of hidden yards, um, you know, cause you can have your team's raw yards per play. And then, I mean, I think the first player is obviously taking out quarterback needles and spikes and all that stuff. I mean, that's, I don't even, that that's so obvious that I shouldn't even need to say that, but, but then also it's like contextualizing. And so it's finding this sort of the, that hidden value, but, but there are cases where, you know, where there are exceptions to the rule, I guess is what I should say. Right. And there are teams that are going to play, um, continue to play hard later on in the blowout games. And there's teams that are going to just basically say, let's just get out of here and, you know, run it three times up the middle and punt. So, yeah. Um, okay. Let's move on to the NFL. Um, NFL has been uh, very interesting recently. I would love you mentioned something to me before we started about the team that you're saying that has the biggest disparity between their sort of success. You want you want to describe that? I found that. Your, well, this is a good segue because that's actually what I was. You know, the, it's the hidden yard concept. So if you look at a team's yards per play, their raw yards per play, throwing out quarterback kneels and QB spikes, but and then their yards per play waiting. Use adding in situational weights, meaning I'm de-weighting garbage time and the way that's most predictive of uh, going forward, as well as I'm controlling for the uh, the down and distance and to go. So, for example, if you're first and goal at the opponent's one, the most you can, yards you can get on a play is one yard. You shouldn't be penalized for getting one yard there. Um, and then also for you know, the the game state as well. Like if you're down by you know if you're you're up by 14 with two minutes to go and the other team has one timeout left, you're pretty sure you're not going to be passing the ball there. And you're probably going to not, you know, your expectation for yards is not as high. Um, so after controlling for that, um, what's interesting is to look at the difference between sort of a team's, I guess, real, I'll call it real yards per play and then nominal yards per play. And generally the better teams are going to have bigger difference, are going to have bigger differences there. Like San Fran's number two, because they've been playing with leads a lot. Um, and, as we said in general, like if you're winning late, um, you're going to be expected to get fewer yards, as well as the fact that if you're if you're spending more time closer to the opponent's goal line, you're, you're going to be expected to get fewer yards also. Uh, but what's interesting is that the number one team it was a huge surprise to me, um, and that's the Los Angeles Rams. So they have, they have the most have, hidden yards. Do you have yep. the rest of the teams? Yeah, I got them all here. What's the top ten? Um, Rams, San Fran, New England, Kansas City, Houston, Cleveland, Buffalo, Green Bay, Minnesota, and New Orleans in that order. So the the Rams, the bottom 10 from worst, um, Washington, Giants, Falcons, Bengals, Jets, Eagles, Cowboys, Dolphins, Jaguars, 
lions. So is there a way, is there a way to do almost like do it as, so that's, those are like the raw numbers, right? So th- those are in difference. Those are difference. Those aren't the worst teams in terms of yards, but those are, although the Redskins are pretty close if they aren't, but those are the worst or, or the biggest differences between real and nominal. That's what I'm going to call it now. Those are the, oh. so, the- it, so it's saying, it's saying if you looked strictly at the Redskins yards per play, um, you know, their net yards per play differential anomaly is like negative 0.64 yards per play. But in real terms, it's actually negative 1.11 if you contextualize. And, and so but, by the way, this is not, and this is not, a, this is not adjusting for strength of schedule here. That's, so that, that's so another layer of contextualization. Sorry? They're even worse than you would think. Yes. And I think that's going to be the yeah. case a lot of times with bad teams because they are getting more situations where their opponents don't are willing to give up yards you know if you're being blown out you're you're going to score it's it's the you know score garbage time touchdowns so does this does this then counter your idea that teams are more centered around zero than they are um around the ed- the wings um it does it does it generally does push things away from zero a little bit well no it's it why- makes things it makes things end up bunching to zero more because you know that the teams that are bad would probably be worse if the teams that they were playing didn't allow them to like have garbage yards. Right. I'm saying it means that those bad teams, if you just looked at like the, the raw, the nominal yards per play, those bad teams actually look worse than that. Or the, I know, I get they it. actually how, are worse. Yeah, are I think we're saying the same How are you going to end up using this? Oh, I already do use it. I was just curious just from, uh, to pull this up just for a talking point. Um, I mean, it's, I'm using the sort of real numbers, not the nominal numbers in my model. But sometimes it's interesting to look at this and sort of say, okay, why, why do I have a specific team undervalued? Or why do I think a specific team is undervalued? And I might say, oh, well, the Rams here have more hidden yards. That's what I'm going to call it, hidden yards. What do you, um, what do you make of uh, the futures? Anything interesting to you there? Like, what, are, what do you have the Ravens at right now? We gave them out a few weeks ago on Bet the Process at plus five something, 580. They're now all the way down to plus 226 to win the Super Bowl now. What do you think they should be? Pulling it up? Oh, wow. Oh, Lord Jesus. This is, uh, this seems too high. Seems too high. Seems way too high. Well, I'm, I'm 59% to make the Super Bowl. This has to be like a typo somehow. 59% to win. How about to, to make win the it, Super Bowl? To make it. Um, I think I only actually, so I can't, so I only ran a, I only ran 2000 Sims this week because I was just, I, I mostly Blacker. was concerned about it for the playoffs. Blacker. So this, this has this at 40%, which seems way high. Um, I have well, them like far, like, and the thing is I am accounting for uncertainty. That's, I think a lot of the simulation models out there, I don't want to speak for them, but, but one thing that is generally underappreciated is dynamic uncertainty. The fact that the you don't want to speak for the, you don't want to speak for the simulation models. Oh, but I mean, someone's got to speak for them though. But the fact is if, if you, if I simulate the rest of the season in the playoffs, assuming the Ravens are remain this good, then their chances would be higher, but they could get, they could get better, but they could also get worse. You know, like fundamentally, like, not just do numbers, so. Do you have numbers for the NFC? Yeah, I do. Um, 
Well, New Orleans, I still have as the favorite, surprisingly. Maybe. Even without home field, huh? Even without home field. But I had them at 19% to win the Super Bowl, 42% to make it before last week, whereas San Fran was only 17% to make it. Now San Fran's up to 27%. New Orleans is at 34% to make it. Hmm. So New Orleans has also clinched their division. So San Fran, if you said San Fran was the if you told me San Fran is guaranteed to be the one seed, then I'd have San Fran more likely. But San Fran still only has a 60% chance of winning that division. So they could, you know, and if they, and if they get into the number five seed, um, well, they'll have a really easy game probably against the winner of the NFC East. But, um, but the Cowboys, you never know. The Cowboys could, like, turn it on. Or, I mean, Cowboys and Eagles both have more talent than all the Eagles. It seems like all their skill position players are hurt. But Assumedly, there's some, like um... – Priors happening there too, right? Because you did not have San Francisco ranked high going into the season. No, you're right. And and priors are a part of it, but not all of it. Yeah. And yeah. And you traditionally are pretty high on the Saints the last couple of years. Yeah. They've been they've been sort of, if I remember correctly, one of these sort of play success darlings. But but the thing is they've already clinched their division, and that's and this and San Fran hasn't. And San Fran is not that much better than a coin flip to win the AFC West. So whoever gets I I, I would say that whoever ends up getting home field is going to be the most likely team to come out of the <clears throat> NFC. Can we go over some NFL games? We can. Um I we have not run our numbers yet this week, so I'm going to be flying blind a little bit, but I'd love to talk about a few games. The the Cowboys and the Rams are interesting, right? We just talked about the Rams um, being having these hidden yards. Is this a situation where you like the Rams, even though that's not a real situation where you normally are going to like a road favorite? Well, they weren't a road favorite initially. Oh, so that, that line have, moved a ton. No, I, I, I was like, let's hold off at two and a half. Um, cause I, I had it, I had the game basically at, um, at Dallas minus a half a point. And I was like, let's hold off on the two and a halves. I wanted to <clears throat> see if, you know, I didn't think it was, I don't know. I, you could I have thought, just bought the three. Oh, I know. But I mean, I, 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 didn't, I wasn't sure that was a big enough edge. That was a and, joke from last okay. week's, last week's part. I, I, you know, I could have bought like, I could have bought three points if I wanted Jeff. You could have, I could have. So it helped your it would have helped your documented record seriously, but I did I did not make a play there. Um, I didn't. Okay, it's in it's it's two teams that had dramatic that have had much higher expectations going into the year, and have kind of underperformed. But what's interesting to me though, it's not just that the Rams. By the way, the Rams have under, or they have a lot of hidden yards. Just looking at this, I was very shocked overall that. I have them as the second best team in terms of net yards per play differential. Like, how are you going to handle a situation like the Chargers this week? Are you? Would I assume you show some value on the Chargers? I do. Are you going to bet them, even though they just got knocked out? Um, I did bet them. Yes. Okay. It. It. I mean, they were essentially knocked out going into the game against the Jaguars. I don't think you can say that they were. I don't think you could say suddenly things change now for them. 
I can say anything I want, Rufus. You can. Do you think that somehow they will approach this game differently than they approached the Jag- the Jaguars, as I think some people say? No, they're going to go, me. hey, Phil, can you not throw a really important interception right at the end of the game after we've done so much to get you back into the game? Can you can you please not do that this time? That's By how the way, did, approach. did you see the Phillip Rivers highlight? No. Oh, with him trash-talking the, the Jaguars defensive end or whatever, where he was like, you know, the guy helps him up, and then he's like, he's like, 90-yard touch, 90-yard touchdown. And then the ref tells Philip to, like, get the fuck out of here. And then and the Jaguars defensive end ends up being like, you know, they say something about so humble. And Philip's like, like, you do, do you have to do that right in my ear? And he's like, that's what I do. That's what I do. It was, it was really funny. You have to listen to it. I, my recap was probably hilariously <laughs> awful, but I, I like I liked hearing you struggle through it. Um, you like the Bears this week? How did you guess? Because I just don't think the Packers are that good. I don't. I was either. looking at the Packers numbers from a yards per play standpoint, and I'm just not sure if what they're they you know like I think they are probably their record is inflating their value. Sorry, I almost knocked my microphone over. Um, I, I was just got very excited about this with the Packers. Yeah, they're like number 18 in, in net yards per play differential in my numbers. And that's after, like, they have positive hidden yardage there too. So, I mean, they have um, – they're not as bad in that as the raw numbers would seem. Um, and you know who's – they're 18 and 19 is the Bears. So, two pretty evenly matched teams basically. And yes, How about I, the Texans and the Titans? The Texans and the Titans. Okay. Um, I like the Texans. I took the Texans at plus three even money earlier in the week. I think that's a between a two and a half and a three now, if last I checked at least. Yeah, I like the Texans there also. That's, um, the Titans are interesting, though. I mean, because in Ryan Tannehill, everybody's talking about Ryan Tannehill and how, how he's been really great at CPOE. Have you heard this newfangled stat, Jeff? No. Completion percentage over expectation. So if you're throwing the ball like 15 yards down the field, it's much less likely to be completed than if you're throwing a screen pass. So he's been, he's been really good. And Tennessee's offense has been really good recently. Does anyone have any idea if CPOE is like a sustainable skill or if it's just luck? Uh, I would think it's, there's, I, I would think it's a lot better to evaluate a, quarterback based on CPOE relative to like just raw completion percentage, because, you know, it doesn't take a ton of skill to throw a screen pass. I mean, it's just like, I mean, I want to see you do it Rufi. guys in think about college quarterbacks and spread offenses with great numbers. And people say, Oh yeah, well he's in the spread offense. He's just throwing these short passes with one read. So if I think the, it's a lot easier to throw the short passes. Now I've, there's more randomness throwing the long passes too. So the question is how much is sort of good play design and being able to find the right guy. And that's one thing that just looking at CPOE, CPOE might not tell you exactly. Um, well, if, well, it depends on if you're controlling for how well covered the guy is, but. Oh, Hey, we got something from the bearded friend. Okay. He makes the line nine, but the army quarterback got hurt and he's against Hawaii and he's not sure of his status yet. So he makes it nine with the army quarterback. Um, 
His name oh. is like Kelvin somebody or right. Kelvin Sampson. That's actually what, what that was the first thing that came into my head. <laughs> did you you did not model the Army quarterback injury? Kelvin Hopkins. Kelvin, I knew it was a Kelvin. Uh no, I didn't model that. Um but so I doubt he's worth that much. Use what's that? I doubt he's worth seven points. Right. Um, yeah, the bearded friend has it at nine. So, uh, okay. Well, maybe we should give some uh, NFL picks and, and get out of here. That sounds good. I don't even think – I think Hopkins has had kind of a down year. Um, yeah. I mean – 42, 43% completion percentage this year. What is his, what is his CPOE? I don't know. His, his quarterback rating is 110.8. <clears throat> Apparently somebody had a 600 quarterback rating last week, so I don't understand quarterback ratings in college. But, yeah, he's had a down year passing relative to last year. 7.6 yards per attempt last year was 11. And he hasn't been – and obviously he's an option quarterback, so that's not really the most important thing for him. But um, Yeah, okay. Well, I'm, I'm – um... Oh, I yeah. kind of want to take take the take the Bears as one of my picks. Are you taking them so I can't? Um, no, but I just I I mean I I kind of have been trying to find opportunities to go against Green Bay. Um, I went against them last week with the Redskins. It was one of the games I actually won. So um, taking the Bears. Bears. Yeah. And you know you know Green Bay they're six and one in one score games this year. Plus wow. ten turnover margin. They've you want you want to find some other hidden points they've gotten. They've uh, They've only missed one field goal, and their opponents have missed five. This is the hidden podcast, generally. Hidden podcast, yeah. Hidden. You could convert all this into like into points and how how lucky they've been in terms of <clears throat> points. But I'm I'm going to go ahead and take um, the Detroit Lions with my pick. They've they're coming off a bunch of ugly losses, and uh, they're they're. They have a negative eight turnover margin since week seven. Um, actually, but only two of their losses have been by double digits this year. So they've, they've hung in games, and I think that um, they're not substantively that worse than the Bucks, who are on a three-game winning streak, but are also eliminated now. So are the Bucks not going to try? The Bucks stops here. Um, I'm going to take the Miami Dolphins plus three and a half. Okay. I'm going to go and take the pick that I already talked about, the Chargers. And that is what are we what's our line check there, Jeff? Is it 2.5? Two, two and, and a half. You get 2.5 minus 105, but we gave we've given you the benefit of the doubt before. We're going to make you not have the benefit of the doubt this time. Sounds good. All right, guys. That's uh that's our podcast this week. Next week we'll be back with some more bull info so um enjoy your week and we'll talk to you guys all soon the breakdown the data analytically driven media coverage the sports gambling is pathetic the bottom line is watered down it seems like they don't get it puppeteers are put to end just running off a of leaded 